This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. We're pleased to announce that this episode of the West Hamway podcast is sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Green King Sport venues are showing every single televised West Ham fixture over the 23-24 season. And with more than 900 sports pubs across the UK, it doesn't matter whether you're based in East London or East Yorkshire, you can catch every single minute of the action. Keep an eye out during the season for events, offers, content and competitions that put you closer to the action. We've got our bogey team Brighton at the weekend and if you're not travelling down south for the game on Saturday, then why not catch the game at your local Green King pub? You're listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker, an XWH employee. Today we reflect, debate and celebrate an unbelievable win against Chelsea. We won the game 3-1 with only 10 men as well. James Ward-Prowse with an unbelievable debut. Pure shithousery from Lucas Paqueta and a goal from Antonio that Marco Van Basten would have been proud of. What a day and one that started with a fantastic pre-match event with Mad Dog and Trevor Morley. So much to talk about before getting news from X and answering questions from Patreons of the West Ham Way. Your ass up your ass, stick the blue flag up your ass. Stanford Bridge to Upton Park, stick the blue flag up your ass. Hey, X, listen, mate, you might have just sold your car to Lucas Paquitar, but I've just sold my house to James Wall Prowse. Mate, what a day, what a game, what a result. Like me, you must be buzzing. Yeah, really happy, mate. I'm sorry I couldn't join in with your um, up your ass song there, but unfortunately, the difference between me and you is that you've got a summer house where you record these podcasts, and I I do mine in uh, our conservatory underneath the bedroom of one of my um, children, and so at eleven thirty at night, I wasn't sure <laughs> if that was yeah. the best song to wake them up to because uh, just so the uh, listeners know this is being recorded at eleven thirty on the Sunday on the back of what was, as you described, a great performance and a, a great 
great win. I mean, when I say great performance, I think it was a, a game of two halves to, to coin an old cliche. But yes. at the end of the day, it was a, it, the result is what matters. And it, and it was a very good result. And as you say, James Ward-Prowse took less than 10 minutes to show exactly why he's going to be a massive player for us this year. I genuinely believe he'll get between, and this could be underselling it, 10 to 15 goals and assists um, himself. So he'll score... You know, he'll score a fair amount from penalties and set plays and open play, but he'll assist as well. I reckon, he, I reckon his total goal contribution will be something like 15. And if you can get that from a midfielder, that, that, that's unbelievable. You know, and as already Agued benefited from his set plays. I think when, um, you know, with Suchek and Agued and Zuma and hopefully Mavropanos, when they're um, playing this team, James Ward Prowse's deliveries are going to be amazing. And there were so many individual performances that were brilliant today and I'm sure we'll come on to those but yeah absolutely buzzing mate I felt Chelsea were there for the taking new manager lots of new signings they don't know their best team they weren't that great against Liverpool I did think they were there for the taking hence why I predicted the West Ham win on our predictions sheet but not in the predictions game annoyingly on the predictions <laughs> sheet I just felt we'd never have a chance to do it and we did and happy days mate buzzy it's always always good to beat that team from uh, West London so happy days oh mate and it just I mean where do we start I mean on JWP I mean you're absolutely right the way he delivers a ball is just so different and it's mm. so unique and it's so standout and every time he does get behind a ball you get excited and I've heard quite a few people say that now we've got James Ward-Prowse he carries that same level of excitement that you've got with Pi mm. when he's stood behind mm-hmm. the ball yeah. When he came to dead balls. And you've got exactly that. I mean, if you look at his stats, and this is where we need Dan Moffenden, if you look at his stats, when it comes to free kicks and actual assists from dead ball situations, it's like off the Richter scale. Like, he is a freak. And it is so good to have him in the side. There has been a few question marks from outsiders around his mobility. And that's why I thought, you know, being potentially linked with someone like McTominay, for example, who could potentially sit behind and do all the running and give free license to the likes of Walprouse and, and Paqueta could be a positive thing. But to be honest, you know, if you, we're highlighting individual qualities in players with Walprouse, you know, you've got a dead ball specialist. You've got someone on the ball that's got good vision. You look at the ball he put through to Antonio as well, which was his second assist of the game. What a debut. I mean, wow. Superb signing. Superb. Well, He's English. Seems like a great lad. He was a captain of Southampton. Now, interestingly, I spoke to a power of mine who's a Southampton nut. Right, and he's a Southampton season ticket holder. And he said, as much as we love James Ward-Prowse, I think we gave him the armband more because he was the best player rather than the fact that he was a leader. So how much of a leader he is, I don't know. But what does come across is that he's a great lad. And a great lad in a dressing room can't be a bad thing, can it? Mate, and what I think is frustrating as well about this transfer is that, yeah, he's the set plays, you you cannot underplay that. It's crucial, and it's exactly what we need. You know, when you've got someone like that, it's a bit like, you know, Johnny Wilkinson in rugby to go to that sport. I mean, he was an absolute legend described as England's Spot best on. player. And he, because he knew that he would score every bloody time he got a drop shot or a drop kick, whatever it's called. And um, and, and it's exactly the same with James Ward-Prowse. His set pieces are, are so good that it's so worth him having if that was all he could offer. A little bit like Roy 
Rory Delap and his long throw. You know, Rory Delap was a, an average player, but he had that throw. But James Ward-Prowse is not an average player. This is what I think people are overlooking. I actually think people have been really harsh on him. I mean, stats I've seen from the game already, 98, uh, sorry, 96% pass accuracy, 36, sorry, 38 touches, 23 passes completed, three ground duels won, two key passes, two assists. You know, th- this is Ollie's David. He, and I think something like last year, he was one of the players that covered the most ground in the Premier League. Um, he's got nine caps for England. Yeah. I, I think yeah. he's, he's been a little bit like Matt Letizia mm. when he was uh, at Southampton and loyal to Southampton. Matt Letizia was a phenomenal player, but because he stayed loyal to Southampton and only really played for them, yes, he got England caps and yes, people thought he was good, but I don't think people realised quite how good he was. And I think that's the same with James Ward-Prowse. I genuinely think this is a brilliant signing and when you look at transfer fees in the modern day world you know 30 million is ludicrous at anyone's uh, you know in, in any time but in relation to other transfer fees 30 million isn't that much he's 28 yes obviously age isn't on his side but you need to bring in experience sometimes and you need to bring in players like him that have played in the Premier League for most of their career know the league inside out as you said English so understand it you know he's already said a great quote I think you know I don't know if you saw it but his his opening quote I think when he was interviewed after the game was something like everyone knows what Declan Rice did for this club but I've come here thinking what James Ward-Prowse can bring to this club. This Brilliant. club is fantastic, and it, and to be on this journey is a real honour. You know, he's obviously a loyal player, spent his whole career at Southampton when he could have moved. They got relegated and decided at 28 he needed to make another big move. And I, and I seriously think I'll stand by this comment because I've already got two assists already to back it up, that he will be involved with at least 15 goals for, for West Ham this season, for, uh, um, whether it be scoring them or assisting them. And you know what a start for the lad and yeah buzzing and as I was when we signed him what a start and what a delivery from that corner and uh, mm. how good was it to see Aguirre get on the score sheet as mm. well great header great header mm. Mm. And, and do you know what after six minutes as well and it's been a real bugbear of mine for Christ knows how long that we start so slow so to see West Ham take the lead after six minutes in any game against any opposition is an absolute joy but I do mirror what you're saying I think it was a very difficult first half. But in our defence, I thought Chelsea were very good in that first half. And and actually, ironically, I'm tipping Chelsea to have a very good season. I think once they settle down and they come for this transitional period and they get the players that they want to get and everyone's settled down, I actually believe Chelsea are finishing the top four. That's my shout. And uh, you look at some of the players they've got, some of the players are quality. I mean, Sterling was absolutely unplayable in that first half. He tore us apart in that first half. And I was worried, genuinely worried. And credit where credit's due to David Moyes. You know, you're at home. You're playing against what looked like a very strong Chelsea uh, team that are littered with pace, that are causing us all sorts of problems. What he must have said to that group of players at half time, I don't know. But whatever he said, obviously galvanised them, calmed them down, restructured them composed them, and they went out the better side in the second Mm. half. And it was a much better performance, wasn't it? 
Oh, oh, definitely, mate. Exactly what you said there. I thought we we rode the storm a little bit in the first half, particularly towards the end. Um, you know, they were really piling on the pressure. You know, the, the penalty saves that absolutely huge as well. You know, credit to Ariola yes. for for making that save because you know when we played Blackburn, I think it was in the League Cup. You know, they we were he didn't get near like twelve penalties or something. Um, so for him to save that was brilliant and a, a good a good confidence booster for him. Um, and then yes. Yeah, so we would get. I thought Sterling and the other guy on the wing, the guy that scored the goal, were, were really terrorising our defence at times. I thought Sterling was really good, to be fair. Um, and and I thought they're going to score, but we, we rode it out well. I thought Zuma and Aguered, um and Emerson as well. I mean, Shafal was solid, but I think those three particularly were, mm. were really good. Um, and we rode the storm, and then, and then we started to get on the ball and play better in that second half. And I'll tell you what, where Moyes deserves most credit for me is when Aguered word got sent off and I haven't seen whether that was fair or not it seemed fair at the time um, but yeah, I was silly at, tackle silly was tackle. it yeah and the first one was a, was a deliberate trip as well wasn't it so mm. for the first yellow so <clears throat> so yeah I haven't seen replay but at the game I was pretty certain that he deserved to go what was great, I thought, from Moyes, I think he got the, the subs after that spot on. You, I mean, it was obvious you had to put Ogbonner on. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to do that. But I think he took the right player off in Ben Rama. Didn't think Ben Rama was offering too much. I mean, he did the odd run, but distribution again at the end was a little bit lacking. And then, um, and then he and then he brought on Funaus and he brought on um, Alvar, Alvarez. <laughs> who I thought did brilliant. By the way, on a short time that he was on, he made some brilliant tackles. I was really yeah. impressed with him on the short time that he was on the pitch. Um, and, and those substitutions were spot on. And, I, and I've got to say it, mate. First half, I, uh, like a lot of the players, I didn't think he had a good game. But second half, I thought Thomas Suchet was brilliant. And yes. that's and that's the, the second time in a row that I thought he played well against Bournemouth. He won a number of headers. Suchet, crucial headers in our own box. And he cleared the ball and made a couple of challenges um, like defensively that were absolutely massive for us. So credit to him. He started the season well. And maybe, maybe he needed that that I don't know step up in responsibility obviously when he was alongside Declan Rice everyone knew that Declan Rice was the star man etc maybe he almost overshadowed Thomas Suchek a little bit now that Rice has gone and Suchek is that sort of six foot three six foot four midfielder maybe he will step up because so far so good for him and yeah I thought I thought Moyes Moyes takes a lot of stick from a lot of people but I don't think you can criticise the substitutions at all and what what is important to note as well, because people say he doesn't make many changes like very often, before literally as Alvarez, I don't know if it was picked up on the cameras, because obviously as I say I was at the game, but just before Alvarez got sent off, three players were stripped to come on, and I can't remember who they were, but three of them were stripped to come on, and then obviously um, Aguerd, sorry, got sent off, and um, and he had to change those plans, but it did show that he was going to change them again, and I thought he got it spot on, I thought he got the tactics spot on, um, and uh, yeah, happy days, mate. Yeah, I mean, we've often spoke about how this side potentially lacks leaders, and it's then led on to the fact as who's going to get the armband, obviously on this occasion it went to Kurt, but when you talk about leaders, I think you also talk about fighters. And what really impressed me about today was that everyone was up for a fight. And one person in particular that I think sometimes goes under the radar a little bit was Emerson. I think yeah. he was our best agreed. player in Prague. Yeah, I agree, without, yeah. A, without a shadow of a doubt. Mm-hmm. You, um, 
having the knowledge that you have within the club, have said how impressed Moyes has been with him, which mm. shows that he's probably massively improved as a left-back, maybe more so than a wing-back that we've all booked him as being. Mm. Um, so you've got him. I saw a lot of fight and determination in him. He was up for it. And then Alvarez. I, I think Al, uh, Alvarez is going to be the sort of player that West Ham fans will fall in love with because he's your typical don't give a fuck, get stuck in, put your body on the line, South American bastard, who is going to get in that centre circle and kick every fucker going. And Mm. I think we're going to love that. And I think it's been a long time since we've had that. And I'm really excited by that. And I think he's someone that's probably because of his upbringing and his roots, he's very humble, he's very grounded, he's very appreciative to get this opportunity in the Premier League. I think he's very appreciative to be part of West Ham United. And I think he's going to grasp that opportunity and really adhere himself to the fans. And I'm excited to see him 100%. And who knows, now that Declan Rice has gone, maybe, to talk about Thomas Suchek, maybe he's going to be out of spread his wings a little bit because there has been a theory that Thomas went from being a big player for us, scoring goals, being a real presence, to maybe the odd tactical decision to possibly restrict Thomas a little bit, to allow Declan to be more expressive potentially. Now he's not there and now we've got James Ward-Prowse, maybe we're going to see the best of Tom again. Maybe that's why Moisey thinks that a four-year deal was justified for Tom. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe... We've we've taken him for granted over the last year to eighteen months. Maybe we're going to see the best of him again because, like you, and I totally agree. In that second half, he proved his worth. He was another fighter. I was impressed mm-hmm. with Tom, and good luck to him because I love him. We all love Tom, and we all want him to perform. A bit like Ben Rama, we all love him. We want him to consistently perform. And if Tom can do that, him himself could become a fan favorite again, can't he? Mm, yeah, exactly, mate. He, he really could, and you know he's he's got the security of the four year deal. Um, I don't know why West Ham haven't announced that yet, unless they have and I've missed it. But uh, they should announce it soon, just to give uh, to, to to get that out there. I think he had a bit of a spell, like in the preseason, with the captain's armband. Obviously, they appear to have gone with Zuma, although I don't know if the decision's been finalised yet. But you know, it wouldn't it would seem that way as he's captained the last two games? But um, I think Suchek is. In now becoming one of the more senior people in the in the team in terms of his presence, and um, you know everyone does like him, and you know I, I still don't know if he does enough for me as a central midfielder. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, uh, suddenly change my opinion on him completely. And as you say, he could start to go back to how he was. Um, but for me today, defensively, he offered a lot. He did really well defensively today. And if he can start to add the goals that he had before, then it's worth having him in the team. You know, if he gets 10, 12 goals this season, then it's definitely worth having him there. And hopefully, you know, maybe this will happen with West Ham. It's too, it's too early to say. You know, that's the second game of the season. So it's way too early to say. But mm. maybe having a, a team that's not almost held together by one superstar might benefit us better um, by having a sort of a level, almost status, because, you know, you look at that first team, you could argue, you know, Bowen's our most valuable player now, but then you could argue Pakatarians, and you could maybe argue that, you know, Gwed, possibly, or Zuma, or Ward-Prowse, or something. there's not that much difference now in terms of status, whereas obviously before, 
It was Declan Rice. Declan Rice is the captain. Declan Rice is the England international. Declan Rice is the hundred million pound player. Maybe now that things have leveled out a bit, it might benefit some of those to step up and take extra responsibility. Who knows? As I say, way too early to speculate on that, but it could be something that comes. And I think, yeah, I think Thomas played really well. I think Pakatar, given all that he was going through, um, obviously this week, and I think that showed his celebration as well. Um, I thought, you know, he, he could have been going to Man City, that he had all the betting stuff, which we'll talk about in my section, and he played well. I thought, I wouldn't say it was his best game, but I thought he played well, and obviously he scored the goal. I think you're right, Emerson has really shown qualities now. Um, that have uh, that have made him a very important player for us. What is also good about Emerson is that his best mates are Pakatar. Like those two are really, really tight. Um, it's a big reason um, for Pakatar to come to the club that Emerson was already here. I think it was that way round. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Um, and they played together at Leon. Um, they're both Brazilian by birth, although obviously Emerson plays for Italy. Um, and they get on really, really well. And I think that's another sort of side bonus of Emerson that he can keep Pakatar in line. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, I think it, it, it was good today. It was good today. Like you know, I think Antonio deserves credit as well. You know, his the question comes up in the final section, but he is the most shit good player in the world like it's, <laughs> it's, like, so, it's so true I mean that's the perfect description Luke. yeah it's just ridiculous how inconsistent he is like you know I was thinking back to that moment at Bournemouth I don't know if you remember it because uh, JD Qantas was in town but but when uh, uh, when uh, Antonio got the ball and he like beat about three players and then pinged the ball like almost the length of the pitch to the other side for Bowen or whoever it was or Ben Rama and that was, that was magical and then the next thing you do, he's like, there's one part in the first half where he was running, but not looking at the ball. I can't even describe it, really. So I think he had to be there to really understand what I'm talking about. So I played a through ball to him, and he was running onto the through ball, but only looking at the defender, the through ball was nowhere near him. So I can't, I can't it's like he was almost running yeah, on. Yeah. So an imaginary through ball. And it was just like, it was just such a weird, weird moment. And then obviously he'll do balloon shots and everything. And then yeah. he'll go and, he'll go and finish like he did then. And sometimes he holds the ball up so well. Like sometimes he's literally on his own with no one near him and a bit of strength, a bit of pace, a bit of unpredictability will get him um, a teammate that gets close to him and then creates an opportunity out of nothing and then the next minute he'll have an easy shot or an easy pass and he won't do it it's just such a random player but, but what a what a good goal and I think it shows to me really that we would be stupid to let him go this season I think he's got one more season in him um, at West Ham at least because you know he's 33 you sell him, okay, he might want to go, but you don't want to send him to a Premier League rival. You know, he, he, maybe if he gets a move to Saudi, it'd be good for him on a financial perspective, but we've got a, another two years on him. I think with our track record of strikers and the signings we've made and stuff, I think, personally, I think we'd be stupid to let him go now. This yeah, I, I, I think you're right, to be honest. I think you're right. I mean... It, it, in my mind, I sort of draw similarities with Colton Cole in that yes. respect. Yeah, He's yeah. that sort of player, anyway. I, yeah, I always yeah. remember 
I always remember um, Colton Cole when he joined Celtic, and granted, it was the twilight years of his career, but I don't know if you remember this, right? Not many people might have seen this. Right, so you know what I'm about to say. Exactly. So he literally, I don't know if he got tackled, but he fell over and done about three forward rolls, and somehow the ball went in off his fucking back, right? And he scored that goal. And someone said, this is the most Colton Cole goal you'll ever see. And you're (laughs) right. but, But again... Like, to summarise Colton Cole, you could probably summarise him in one game. I'll take you back to that Tottenham game, and forgive me, I can't remember the year. He scored a fucking rasper from yes. about 25 yards out. And it must have been in less than 10 minutes, he's given the most obscure, unnecessary back pass to the goalkeeper from the opposition's half. And a Tottenham player's run onto it, taking it around the keeper and scored. Jermaine I mean, Defoe? It, 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 what, I think it was. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah. And, and it's it's just so true. Like Antonio can can score one of those raspers, like he did against Brighton away uh, at the end of um, uh, one of the seasons. It wasn't last season. I think it was the season before. Um, and then he can get an open goal from four yards and somehow blown it over the bar. You know that. But that is Mick Mikel Antonio. And yet, ironically, no one has scored more Premier League goals in the West Ham shirt than Antonio. And I don't mm. know if that says more about us with our track record of strikers than it does about him, to be honest. But he is a freak, and we've often said it. His unpredictability makes him so dangerous because you can't plan to play against him because he doesn't know what he's going to do himself. You know? Exactly, that's mate. What makes yeah, him so special in so many ways. Exactly that. He's yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, we we clearly do need another striker. There's no two ways around that. We definitely do, particularly now that scarica has gone. Mbamba, um, we've got him, but you know. <laughs> It's time will tell whether he's got the, it's a cut it completely in the Premier League. Ings has been a bit hit and miss. Obviously, he can play Bowen up top as he did today for a period. And also, they're talking about Corday potentially being a forward. So, you could argue we don't need another forward, but I think we need to start planning for Antonio not to be the, the star forward. I mean, but my, my gut instinct is that once Antonio's done and dusted, he'll convert Bowen to a striker. It just seems like we're just unable to ever bring in a striker that's a natural striker. <laughs> like, you know, if you go before Antonio was announced yeah. it, so on. Yeah. So, like, I think, but I think for me, it, it, it would be, and I think Moyes will think the same. I mean, I'm not saying he's told me this, or I know factually, but opinion would be that Moyes thinks the same because Antonio's done such a job for him ever since he's been our manager that it would be a massive gamble to let him go. You, look, let's be honest, at 33, you're not going to get much money for him, even right. if you do let him go. Yes, it's been described that Antonio is a bit of a, a pain at times, particularly when he's not starting. And he can be either like the best for team around when things are going well, but then the worst when things aren't. So he is a bit like that, and he's fallen out with key players and members of staff over the years. I mean, one day when I do Extra Fields All Book, where I actually say some of the stories I've held back on, there is a, a very interesting one about Mikel Antonio um, from yesteryear, um, and it does show that at times he can fall out with, with teammates, but he he is... Um, he, you can't question that he's goal scoring and, and sometimes he is literally the only man from our team in their opposition's half and he has to work so hard to hold on to the ball and get it and, and I wouldn't be surprised if a number of defenders when you ask them about which forward you least like play against I reckon a number of them would name him because he's so unpredictable he's so strong he's so fast you know um, and I think yeah for me he it would be 
Ryu Gamble to let him go and one that we can't afford to do in, in a season where we've got so many games ahead of us. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Well, especially this season. I mean, give us this season. You know, mm. if we had this season and then going into next season, he's 34. And then, you know, you look at the, a fresh budget to bring in what you'd like to think would be a marquee striker of a signing. And uh, and that brings me on to say about, you know this about me, ex. I'm a nightmare for shortening names. This is, I say one of my weird things, hopefully my only <laughs> weird thing, is that I'm a nightmare for shortening names. I mean, you're, you're perfect for me, ex, because uh. I never, ever, even on a personal level, off air, call you by your real name. Because yeah. X is just two letters. It's a dream for me. If someone's called Jonathan, I have to call them John. If someone's called Gregory, they've got to be Greg. Because if I call them by their full Christian name, for some weird reason, my brain just thinks it's too formal. I but remember, I think, but, it, God, sorry. I was just saying, I remember in a professional sense at work once, uh, everyone thought I was a right ass kisser because my boss was called Godfrey. I had to call him God. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the way I am. Right? So that brings me to talk about. Alphonse Ariola, right? Who I now will affectionately call from this point onwards Alfie, right? <laughs> oh, he's now Alfie. Scamica was Scamzy, as everyone knows. God rest his soul, he's gone. But Alphonse Ari- Ariola is now going to be called and referred to on this show as Alfie, right? <laughs> and, and I wanted to talk to you about this for a couple of reasons because it's caused a bit of controversy unnecessarily so really with him coming in. And I don't know if you covered this with Mark on last week's show. If uh, you did, I didn't hear it. And I want to hear your opinion on Fabianski coming out publicly showing his discontent really with being dropped for Alphonse Ariola. Mm, and I'm contradicting mm. myself there because it's Alfie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Given the fact that it's widely renowned in football as uh, a goalkeeper's union and you look out for each other and you support each other and, and you know, someone has to be picked at the end of the day, are you surprised at the age of 38 that he said what he said? Because there's quite damning comments, really. Mm, yeah, I mean, just I will talk about that, but the first thing I have to talk about is the shortening of names because, <laughs> like, you, like, like you say, it is something that is quite um, noticeable. Of, no, noticeable right, about it. Yeah, well, my, well I, there's a few classic ones I think over the years that I've heard, and and, I, and I, I've now picked up on this, and I almost get excited to hear what you're going to call certain people because, <laughs> like, because in some ways I think it works brilliantly because people immediately see it as like a 
yeah. that you're warm to them and that you're yeah. trying to bring yeah. them in and you're being affectionate and so, so yeah so I think so I think it's a, I think on the whole 95% of it is positive <laughs> oh god another 5% is worrying me now but, but, I don't know where you're going to go with this but a couple of times I think there's people that <laughs> nicknames <laughs> that you give to people when A they might be a little bit like wow that's, that's interesting I've never been called that before and second of all sometimes you say nicknames where I know that the people don't actually like being called that name. <laughs> oh no <laughs> so can you give examples funny. or not uh, well the ones one that sticks in my mind I don't obviously I don't know if she likes this or not but I found it funny at the time was the, oh, do you remember on the on the flight back from um, from Perth and you were sat so we were sat next to each other but we had the the aisle separating us and you had two women that you, you didn't know sat next to each other sat yeah. next to you yeah. the one next to you I, I don't know what you were calling her but the one at the end of, of the row she was what an 18 year old girl that was flying on her own or something and she was what was her actual name I can't, mate. I was fucking. You're asking me. You're having a laugh, and yeah, I can't. Yeah, asking JD Quads to remember a flight is yeah. a bit stupid. I do. I, I don't remember the flight. Let alone yeah. that. I don't think you remember any Perth, do you? Like, <laughs> you like, I'm just taking your word for it that we were there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like so. So she. She. I think was called maybe Millie. Maybe. Oh, yeah, that rings a bell. Something yeah, like that. Maybe, maybe yeah, Millie. I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> yeah, you get quite a Millsy or something like. That. Not really, but every time you called her Mills, and every time she went to the toilet, came back, you're like, You're right, Millsy. And it just made me laugh because I thought, like, This is an 18 year old girl that doesn't really know you, but sat next to her, smashing vodka and cokes for <laughs> the whole place. <laughs> And then you know, you're calling her Millsy. <laughs> it's so and, true. I don't know what's another, wrong with me, honestly. And, a, and another one I found funny, and maybe I was wrong, but I thought I picked up on it. But and they're good lads, and I know they listen to the show, so they might correct us. But um, do you remember when um, we were in uh, uh, no Prague? We met up with your mate. Uh, uh, Charlie and yeah, he, Chaz he's, and Tom. He's yeah. Mate, Tom. Yeah, so Chaz and Tom. I mean, Tom, you can shorten. I mean, you might go with T, I guess, but that'd have been a <laughs> yeah, bit weird. I'm but, uh, yeah, or Toe. Maybe it should have been a bit weird as well. But um, in terms of syllables, it's not much different from Tom, I guess. But anyway, Charlie was called Charlie, but you called him Chaz. And it was yeah. a couple of times, and I might have been wrong, and maybe I miss, missed it and got the point wrong. But a couple of times you said, Yeah, so, so do you want to drink Chaz? Or, you know, me and Chaz did this. And a couple of times he said, Charlie, like that when he said Chaz. <laughs> no, he didn't. I'm sure oh, he did. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he said, unless, unless I'm thinking of someone else, I'm sure he went, it's, it's Charlie. Like that. No, no. <laughs> and I think he said it about five times. It's Charlie. Oh, <laughs> and, he was, and he was quite, a, you know, he's a really good laugh and really yeah, laid back. I'm, I'm, pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that he said that. And I'm sure there was another one that I thought was brilliant. Oh, I can't remember what it was. But yeah, the nickname thing's funny. Anyway, no, to, to go back just to more quickly, serious... But just quickly, we're missing the point here as well, is that whenever me and Chaz are together, we are Chaz and Dave, which gives <laughs> yeah. us endless uh, amounts yeah. of entertainment, by the way. Yeah, I didn't I'm think of that. Maybe, maybe, yeah. he, maybe he is more tolerant of it than... Uh, yeah. Well, than, well than, whether than, uh, he likes it or not, he's he's Chaz, so yeah. that's, that's set in stone. Or but, uh, ch- on to ch- Alfie. On to Alfie. <laughs> ch- when, he's, when you're really drunk. <laughs> yeah. Ch- 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 yeah
<laughs> anyway, on to Alfie and Fab. Um, Fabsy. Fabsy. Um, yeah, so, so it was a bit of a weird comment from Fabsy because I did think that it was too, too strong. Because the thing is, like, again, not to show off here, but I, I tweeted during the, the preseason that it was thought that Ariola was going to be the number one goalkeeper. And like, it was quite well known within the club. Hence why, you know, Ariola part of it so much last year, so that like being second keeper, because when he was when he signed, because remember he was on loan, and then we signed him, mm. he wouldn't have signed for the club then if he was no. going to be told, look, Fabianski is going to have maybe another two years as first choice. You'll be thirty, thirty-one, and then maybe you'll get your in the third year here. You'll get your your chances. This is a guy French international. He knows that Hugo Lloris is coming towards the end of his career as the and as the French number one. So there's a chance that he could be made French number one. He wouldn't have agreed to come as a sort of backup keeper at West Ham and when he'd been backup keeper at Paris Saint-Germain and Real Madrid and teams like that, he'd gone to Fulham and been their player of the year. I really don't believe he would have signed for West Ham on a permanent deal if he thought that he was going to be at least two years as a backup keeper. I'd heard it on very good authority that he was going to be the first choice keeper, hence why I said it on this podcast and tweeted it out. I think it was generally accepted in the club. What I think happened was over pre-season, obviously Fabian ski um, played a few games, played well in those games. I seem to remember him playing quite well in Australia when we were out there and played quite well in some of the other games and almost maybe showed Moyes that actually, do you know what? He could still be the better keeper at the moment, even though he's 37, 38, he could still be the better keeper. And I think credit to Fabianski for that. And then obviously it was a tough decision for Moyes. It got to the eve of the first game of the season. Still wasn't sure, probably gave them training to prove themselves and then thought, right, you know what? Ariona is going to be my first choice and, and that's that. Now, I don't know how he handled that with Fabianski. If, if rumors are to be correct and of evidence I've got with other, um, interactions he had with players, he probably didn't say too much to Fabianski. He probably didn't sit him down. He probably didn't talk it through to him, which you could argue is not good man and management skills. So I get Fabianski feeling like that. I think however Fabianski was wrong to go into the press at his age when he's just signed a one year contract and basically say you know it was devastating it was I was heartbroken I haven't quite under, uh, comprehended it yet when basically it was always a 50-50 chance anyway because he knew Ariola was a good keeper he knew he was a younger keeper you know there's only one goalkeeper that can play a game so it was always going to be a chance he might not be number one so I think personally he overreacted of course we don't know exactly how Moyes handled the situation so it's hard to judge fully without seeing that but I think if you're a goalkeeper of his experience you don't go to the press and moan about it you know if he, you, if he was a 25 year old they'd been on point for the last three years and was smashing it as our keeper then maybe but there has been some question marks over him he is 38 he was out of contract in the summer and signed a one year deal personally don't think he should have gone to the press and done that I think he should just got on with it yes been disappointed maybe spoke to Moyes about his disappointment but he didn't need to go public so soon after that decision no he he didn't I mean I've got to be honest I was really quite shocked really quite shocked because unless David Moyes has said to him right Fab you are going to be my number one goalkeeper in the Premier League this season I guarantee that is the case and Alfie will have the cup games Mm. If he said that to him and he's gone back on that, 
then I'd, I, I kind of understand. I don't like the club's name being dragged through dirt at the best of times, but I would understand it. I can't for one second imagine that Moisey has guaranteed anyone a first-team place to that extreme. So in which case, I think that's disrespectful and I think it's very unprofessional. And as much as I love Fab, and I do genuinely love Fab, I think you've got to fine him. Now, I don't mm. know if he was fined for that. I think he should have been. Because I think that's piss poor from him. Mm-hmm. I really do. And I'm not being funny. Now, with all due respect, he's 38 years of age. Great goalkeeper. Even now, at this age, great goalkeeper. He's 38. He must know he's got some competition with someone of that pedigree of Alfie coming in, who's a much younger goalkeeper. At some point, he's going to be given the nod. And Moisey mm. quite rightly says he sees them as equivalents. They're mm. equals. Mm. They're both that good. But he can only pick one. I mean, this is the problem I foresee, actually, with um, Raya coming into Arsenal. I mean, for me, mm. that's a bizarre sign. You've got Aaron Ramsdale there, which has been a, a, a real massive signing for them in terms of personality, performance, etc. Now, Raya's a good goalkeeper and he's coming to Arsenal there. Someone is going to get the arse there because not one of those keepers is a number two. I find that a bit of a strange sign in that, personally. Mm. But I suppose, to a degree, you've got a similar situation at West Ham, only with Fabianski is now in a bit of a phasing out period because of his age. So mm. at some point that is going to happen. And if this is a season where it's going to happen, then through gritted teeth, you have to accept it. But you don't go out publicly and say that. Like mm. I say, mate, I think that carries a fine, personally. Mm. Yeah, I think you're probably you're probably right on that. I think I don't know if he was fine or not. I would go with probably not. And the reason I go with probably not is because he can turn around and say, well, look at all the podcasts Antonio did last season that weren't appropriate. And we've got a problem with this in the mm. sense that that's, mm. you know, Antonio. We've got, um, as they say, Fabianski. You know, Cresswell's done the odd one here and there. Well, they've got him a bit of stick deck and did some uh, last year as well. They got him stick. So, or interviews, maybe not podcasts, but interviews. I think... I think we do need to really say to these players, you know, they're not allowed to do our podcast. We're more pro West Ham than any of these other podcasts. All these other podcasts are going to be looking to get the big stories out because that's what's going to get them the attention. I've never heard of that Polish play, uh, uh, site he did an interview on. It might, be, it might be the biggest station in Poland. Who knows? You know, I don't know, but I hadn't. And, you know, that station for that interview that he did has got massive amount of publicity now. Now, I think we need to put a, a, a blanket statement out to these players. If you do podcasts or interviews or whatever, and you disrespect your fellow players, your manager, or anything particularly related to the club, then there will be a fine and, and we'll stop you doing them again. And I think we need to be hard on these players because mm. Fabianski saying that is not going to benefit anyone no. at this club. By him doing that, all it shows is he's... Uh, resentful to Moyes, possibly, particularly for that decision. It shows that he's not going to be overly supportive of Areola because he believes that he should be the number one goalkeeper. That's something I wasn't even aware about, uh, about Fabianski and his personality. I always thought Fabianski was like the model professional and always towed the, towed the line and, and yeah. you could, you, you could count on him. So it's a bit of a, a, a bombshell for him to, to come out and do that, that, that interview and those comments. And so I was shocked 
shocked and I and I think I think it's not great. You know, at thirty eight, as you said, at thirty eight you have to have some understanding. The fact that you were given a one year deal when you signed it, you weren't given a five year deal, when you were given a one year deal you you know, there must have been some hints during that conversation that Ariona was gonna be the, the first choice keeper, or at least that he was gonna have competition for that number one spot. And if he concedes defeat after one game as keeper, then, then for me, that's not a great attitude. You know, Ariola's had to put up with it behind him for two years. So, you know, the tide's turned. If Fabianski wants to get that number one uh, or the the first team shirt back, he needs to, whenever he plays, which at the moment will probably be Europe and in the Cups, be brilliant. Be, be an amazing keeper in those games. And if Ariola's a bit suspect and he's being brilliant, and I'm sure Moyes will swap it. But for me, I was disappointed. With Fabianski, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame that. And hopefully, um, uh, I don't know, hopefully you can move on quite quickly because obviously the, the last thing you want is for any sort of disruption of, of squad harmony. And mm. uh, and he's not the sort of person you'd have booked to, to be at the forefront of that. I mean, he just seems like the ultimate professional and a great lad. So maybe he was just having an off day where he had the ump. We all have them. And maybe he regrets it himself. I don't know. But I was quite mm. surprised and also quite interested to get your thoughts on that. Um, well, the Patreon poll as it stands when it comes to man of the match, Against Chelsea was uh, James Ward-Prowse, understandably, with 57% is first. Second uh, was Lucas Paqueta, and third was Alfie. And I want to get back to Paqueta right now. Obviously, you're going to touch on Paqueta in your section. And in your section, typically, I just like to let you flow and listen to what you've got to say like everyone else does. Mm. And I don't tend to get into a kind of conversation. So I'm going to use that opportunity now without pissing on your cornflakes for your section, if that makes sense. Because... <laughs> Paqueta, to me, didn't look like a player that had the weight of the world on his shoulders. He didn't look like he played today like he had anything to worry about whatsoever. And yes, it's now emerged, possibly, I know you're going to put some clarity on this, that maybe members of his family were betting (laughs) on him to get a yellow card at certain minutes. Maybe maybe I'm way off. But, I mean, if that's the case, he still isn't out of the woods because who's to say that those people aren't betting on what Lucas is telling them to bet on. So it's a bit of a grey area. Mate, like I say, maybe this is a grey area and you're going to put some clarity on it. But to talk about his actual performance today, I mean, the shithousery we saw from him, you love to see it, don't you? I mean, he's, mm. he's, he's the over-exaggerated, flinging around and falling on the floor. You hate to see it when it's happening against you, but it did make me laugh when it was happening for us. And he was getting in the faces of people, winding people up, doing flicks and tricks, smiling, laughing. Even the penalty was a piss take, really. Um, we love him, don't we? Mm, yeah, when he's on the form like that, it's brilliant. And like I say, he's that got that Brazilian flair, but he's also got that. He, he tends to associate more with Argentinians or other South American countries. That sort of grit and that fight and that <laughs> football bastardry, if you want to yeah. call it that. Like, and um, and I think. It, he is no, no wonder he's like a fan's favourite. You know, like you say, that is the sort of player that you love on your team, but hate when they're on the opposition. And I think he will, if he stays at West Ham, which the chances are highly likely now, um, I think he'll go on to have a great season. And, and it is really good to see that all the recent allegations and press and stuff doesn't appear to have affected his ability to put in a good shift. And I think, um, I think that was really uh, obvious to see today. And yeah, really, really love Lucas. You know, I think it's a shame that that Man City stuff did come out because I think people were now see, seeing that he probably would have gone, and I think he would have gone. But he's, do you have to bear in mind it's Man City? You know, of it's course. not like you know, it's not like he was going to go to 
I don't know, Aston Villa or whatever. He was going to yeah. go to Man City, and and I think that's that. I think most players would, but if he can stay with West Ham now for the rest of the season and play like he's done against Bournemouth and against Manchester City, then then brilliant. And I love the fact that you know our midfield free at the moment, and this is not including Alvarez, is so variant. You know, if you in terms of their style, you know, if you was to bring in Alvarez into the equation you look at him Ward Prowse Suchek and Pakatar they're all very different types of midfielder and I think that gives us a lot of um, potential options as well like a rotation of those four you know if possibly four hours is another one um, you know there's there's real difference in um, qualities there which is which is good yeah absolutely mate and it was such a fantastic result and to be undefeated going into the third game of the season is a big deal for West Ham because do you mm. know that no team has lost more opening games in the Premier League than West Ham? Did you really? know that? No, I didn't, um, but that doesn't yeah. surprise me, but I didn't yeah. know it factually. Apparently it's true. So to get a point away from home in your opener and then get three points at home against Chelsea is a great, great start for us. Great start. Um, the day itself started with our first pre-match event of the season. And I said it in the opening of uh, today's pre-match event that this event is literally going into its seventh season X. And I mm-hmm. thought about this earlier and that is quite incredible. And I go back to when we first went to the East End Working Man's Club and, you know, we looked at it and we, we our imaginations were going and we're getting creative and we were enjoying it and we were passionate about what we could potentially create. And then we was negotiating the bar bill with the East End Working Man's Club, getting the security involved, the hammerettes, lining up guests. It was so exciting. And to think we go back to that time nearly seven years ago is quite incredible. And and today marked the birth of a new era, obviously, because Mark Walters moved on and we've now got Mad Dog uh, as part of the West Hamway family is now hosting these events. And Trevor Morley made his West Hamway debut, who, of course, now lives in Norway. So he flew in specifically for the event. And what a day it was, mate, wasn't it? What an event. Mm, brilliant event and I think you know those of you that have been to events pr- prior um, to our change in host um, I think you should come and see what Mad Dog offers because it, it's different and it's sort of it's a show in itself it's a show in itself and um, thought he was on fire today and, and Morty again was brilliant very very honest very funny uh, very interesting you know all the, the the traits you would want for, for a guest and for me I sometimes have to pinch myself when do we do events like this because when I look back to when I first started going to West Ham which was the 1990 1991 season that was my first time my season ticket first game I ever went to it was the first home game of that season um, and that was a one all draw um, against Portsmouth Guy Whittingham scored for, for them and um, Frank McIverney scored for us and when I look at that team Martin Allen and Trevor Morley started that game and and I think sometimes I'm standing there talking to them backstage and you know telling them you know, my opinions on certain things to do with the events and on football and so on I think it's a real sort of pinchy moment to think wow these were like heroes of mine as a kid and now I'm sort of talking alongside them and you know Trevor Morley's got a brilliant story as Martin alluded mm. to in, in, at the event you know he worked, worked his way up from the sixth tier of English football to be a Premier League uh, forward you know he, he was hammer of the year scored a lot of goals for West Ham I think the stat was in the last what did mine say the last 35 years 
No, I can't. I don't think that could be right. Maybe. I don't know. Something like that. A, a great stat towards Morty's goals anyway and how he was one of the top ones for us. We obviously covered controversial topics like what actually went on that night when he was stabbed, what actually went on between him and Ian Bishop, how that affected him as a footballer, etc., etc. And then we talked about obviously more positive moments of his career. So it was a real, real great event with um, Trevor and Martin. And you know, I'm sure anyone that went to it would say the same and you know, we encourage those that listen to this show that thought about going to go, even if you're on your own. You know, people sometimes say, oh, I'm going to be going on my own. There was a number of people today that went on their own. And, and, you know, you just, because everyone's West Ham, everyone's there, most, a lot of them are patrons. Um, you've got fellow supporters that you can just go and have a beer with, chat to, speak to. And then I know people, people that have made new circle of friends as a result of these events. And yeah, it's just great to, to meet Trevor. We hopefully got another top guest lined up for Manchester City which will be the next event obviously we need to finalise who that will be and as soon as we do know that we'll put it out but it'll be another top um, guest and yeah happy days it's a great way a great day all round mate the event the, the game the you know doing a podcast of you now it's been a full on West Ham but happy times <laughs> for West Ham yeah it certainly is mate and uh, there is potentially some really 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 exciting news for this event and uh, I can't say much more than that and it begs the understandable question well, why the fuck mention it Dave and the answer is I don't know <laughs> I don't know I'm just so excited by the potential of it and we genuinely can't say any more than that so just no. watch the space but no, it'd be you know, revolutionary we, we, it, it, 100% 100% and uh, you know we're working tirelessly in the background to, to try and take these events to the next level I think that's all we can say now but mm. you know look may they continue and uh, they're great fun and like I say today was, was brilliant just to see everyone laughing because we didn't stop laughing next did we as a group no. we didn't stop laughing today and that's what life's all about I think mm-hmm. um, well the West Ham Way Premier League predictions competition is back and thanks to everyone that has registered and paid to play again this season however I must be a right bastard now and tell you that if you haven't paid to play but you've registered we will start cutting players so mm. if you want to be part of it this season please do pay ASAP because we're already approaching the third game of the season now. Mm. And unfortunately, we are going to have to be quite ruthless because it wouldn't be fair to the players that have paid. So if you've registered and you're playing, but you haven't paid, please do so ASAP. Um, I don't think there's any point talking about how many you've got on in the first couple of games, X, because it's a jog, not a sprint. So it's a fucking waste of time (laughs) talking about it. Uh, I haven't got any stats or anything like that. It's a waste of time. I'm assuming I'm miles in front, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> let's just say X has got off to a decent start let's leave it there uh, a decent start but what was frustrating was like <laughs> a couple of the predictions I made this week I thought yes get in spot on I go look and you made the exact same predictions yeah. so that was yeah. frustrating what was equally frustrating I can't I just looked today I, I told everyone I thought West Ham were going to win I was saying at the event I put it on the predictions anyone can check Patreon I put it on the thing we do where we predict the results I was convinced West Ham were going to win and I had my case I knew why and then when it came to the predictions, I was like, mm, yeah, one all for that one. I was like, and I just wish I could be, but I think the problem oh, no. was is that last year I got stung so many times by being too optimistic for West Ham. I mean, I, I think someone produced a stat, probably Sam, who does our, our graphics for this sort of thing, produced a stat that showed where West Ham would be if mine and your predictions had came in every single week. And I think you had West Ham top, I had West Ham top, but I had West Ham top by about 30 points or something. 
fucking ridiculous. <laughs> so, so I, was like, I was like, maybe this is why I go wrong with the predictions. I'm too <laughs> optimistic about West Ham. So I've always tried to like, t- rein it back in a little bit now. And um, yeah, that, that was to my detriment today, unfortunately. But um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I've started off slightly better than you. But as you say, I, I having lost for the last four years, there's no way after week two I'm going to start getting cocky because at some point... Dave will press the lucky walker button that comes down from the from the sky, and then uh, the rest will be history. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Right, next up for the Amers, it's a tough trip to Brighton away. Let's find out a little bit more about the Seagulls. The club was founded in 1901 at the Seven Stars Public House in Ship Street, Brighton. Until 1998, it was believed that the Albion were formed in 1900, but this was in fact when Brighton and Hove Rangers were founded. Brighton's nickname used to be the Dolphins, and the club's badge also featured a dolphin. But in the 1975-1976 season, during a match between Brighton and their rivals Crystal Palace, Crystal Palace fans started chanting Eagles, and in response, Brighton's fans started chanting Seagulls. The Seagulls were the only professional team in Sussex from 1920 to 2011 until Crawley Town were promoted to the Football League. Brighton have had nearly 40 managers in their history. Ernie Wilson has the most amount of appearances with 566 and Tommy Cook has scored the most amount of goals with 123 in 209 games. Their biggest ever defeat came in 1940 when they lost 18-0 to Norwich City. Their biggest win was 9-1 against Newport County in 1951. Famous fans include Fatboy Slim, Jamie Feakston, The Rag and Bone Man and newsreader Jon Snow. West Ham have never beaten Brighton in the Premier League. Let's hope that changes on Saturday. This podcast is sponsored by NordVPN, the virtual private network which allows fans to watch football games, films and TV shows that aren't available in your region. It even saves on travel costs, so if you're planning on travelling with the family or to watch the Amazon in Europe, NordVPN allows you to purchase flights and hotels from different locations across the world and that will save you a few quid. Maybe you're a bit of a shady character and whatever you're up to, you want to give yourself the best possible chance of not getting caught. Whatever the scenario, NordVPN provide high-level protection for your data and personal information wherever you are in the world and boast the fastest virtual private network in the world. So no buffering and no lagging. So for less than a pint or a cup of coffee per month, you fans can watch all the games you want live from the comfort of your own sofa. Visit nordvpn.com forward slash Way to get your exclusive discount plus four months free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com forward slash Way. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.